If you were here five weeks ago, hopefully you remember the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, In that parable, the rich man led a luxurious, extravagant, self-indulgent lifestyle. Uh, He had no regard for God's law. He had no compassion for the poor. And he completely ignored Lazarus, uh, a pitiful beggar who was sat at his gates every day. He rejected uh, all that is good, including God himself, and he ended up in hell. Now, hell is a subject that tends to pique our interest, but it's far more edifying and important to speak of heaven. Uh, Jesus spoke about hell on many occasions, uh, but he spoke about heaven, the kingdom of God, and everlasting life, eternal life, far more. And so this series would be rather unbalanced if it included a sermon about hell, but not one about heaven. Uh, This is a very crude illustration, Uh, but you don't prepare for a holiday to the Seychelles by doing a lot of background research into war-torn Syria. Uh, You want to know about the place that you're actually going to. Uh, But it's quite helpful to know something about war-torn Syria. You might see someone who's about to get on a plane to go there. You can tell them not to go. And it's the same. We, We need to understand something about hell, but it's much more encouraging, edifying, and exciting to focus on heaven. Today's passage, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but it really focuses on the physical nature of Jesus' resurrection body. And this gives us insight into what happens to a believer after death. Having an understanding of bodily resurrection will give us a much better understanding of what we mean when we talk about heaven. I wonder, what is your concept of heaven? Imagine it now. Try and picture it in your mind's eye. I'll give you a a moment to do that. At the end of the service, um, or maybe later on today, think about it again. See if your perception has changed at all. So there's uh, three key questions that we want to try and answer today, uh, and they're all closely related. The first is, uh, what happens to a believer when they die? Uh, Secondly, what is resurrection? And thirdly, what is heaven? Now, we're not going to look at each of those titles in turn because actually they all kind of merge into one, but we'll certainly throw light on all of them. So on Easter Sunday, we celebrated Jesus's resurrection. It seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? And then last week, we saw how Jesus came along the, alongside those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they didn't recognize him at first until Jesus broke bread with them And then their eyes were opened, and they realized that it was Jesus there with them. But then it says that he disappeared from their sight. So they hightailed it back to Jerusalem to tell the others. Uh, They hadn't been there long. They'd literally only just broken the news. You can imagine there was a, a huge amount of excitement. And then Jesus appears right there in their midst. Peace be with you, he says. And from John's gospel, we know that it was evening on the first day of the week. Now, the the first day of the week for Jews is Sunday. And so it is still Easter Sunday. Uh, On Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene and and possibly one other. Uh, And then he appeared to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And finally, he appears to all the disciples, except for Thomas. Thomas wasn't there, but all the others in that upper room in Jerusalem. 
And Jesus just appears among them. John even tells us that the doors were locked. No wonder they were frightened. They thought they'd seen a ghost. Not that Jesus looked like a ghost, just by virtue of the fact that he'd appeared among them. But Jesus immediately sets them straight, saying, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Then Jesus asked for something to eat. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He ate it right there in front of them. So what does all this tell us? Well, Jesus has passed through death to everlasting life, and he has a real physical resurrection body. Undoubtedly, there's a difference because he was able to just appear in front of them, but it is a real physical body nonetheless. This challenges the views that many of us might have about what happens when we die. Of course, there's the caricature of heaven. You know, an angel sitting on a cloud playing a harp. I don't think any of us really think that's what heaven is like. Uh, But a lot of people, including many Christians, when they imagine heaven, they imagine their souls leaving the body and being taken away from the physical world to this uh, other mystical place. We, We even talk about going to heaven, don't we? But that's to misunderstand resurrection. When we die, we don't go floating off somewhere as a disembodied spirit. Uh, A lot of people uh, may or may not have thought deeply about heaven, but you you hear people say, don't you, that their loved ones are looking down on them, so their soul is up there in the sky somewhere. And I totally understand why this would be very comforting. Uh, But it's not a Christian understanding of what happens when we die. The early church had to contend with the heresy of Gnosticism. The Gnostics believed that the physical world is bad and the spiritual world is good. And that through death, we're released from the prison of our physical bodies. And this way of thinking still permeates the thoughts of people in our culture today. I'm thinking more in terms of New Age type beliefs. So for many people, if you talk to them about what happens after death, if they believe that there is any life beyond the grave, they'll often see it as a purely spiritual existence. But that is not the Christian view. And to understand why, we need to zoom out and look firstly at the creation narrative in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is all about the creation of the physical world and all the creatures that inhabit it. And and throughout this chapter, there's a little refrain, and it goes like this. God saw that it was good. Uh, So God created X, Y, and Z, and then God saw that it was good. And it runs right the way through the narrative until the point where God has created everything. And then it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. The physical world is good. Yes, it's become corrupted, tarnished, and spoiled, but the world as God created it is good. And God's good creation will not fail. It will not be destroyed. I think of a child or or even an adult who's doing a drawing or a piece of artwork and a drink gets spilt all over it. So the drawing gets taken up, screwed up, and thrown in the bin. And the child loses interest and goes and does something else. 
Do we really think that that's going to happen to God's good creation? Of course not. But think about it. If at death or at the end of time when Jesus returns, we all get whisked off to this place called heaven, what would become of the physical world? The world that God gave us to enjoy and to care for, what would happen to it? Does it just get screwed up and thrown in the celestial waste paper basket? Well, no, because that would be a failure of God's good creation. Do you know that the story of the Bible is all about the union of heaven and earth? In the biblical narrative, you have these two spheres, dimensions, or spaces. So you've got heaven and you've got earth. In the beginning, when God created, these two dimensions of God's world were united. Heaven and earth were one. But human beings wanted to create a world without God, and so heaven and earth got driven apart. And so we ended up with God's space, heaven, that is full of his presence, goodness, justice, and beauty, and our space, earth, which is full of sin, injustice, corruption, and ugliness. Human beings can no longer inhabit God's space because they've been polluted by sin. And this is a problem that Jesus came to deal with, and we see it in verses 46 and 47. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Jesus has made a way for us to be cleaned up so that we can inhabit God's space once again. The story of the Bible is all about God bringing heaven and earth back together. The fact that uh, Jesus' resurrection body is the same but different is tremendously important. Jesus belongs in both dimensions of God's world, both heaven and earth. And if we are to live in God's new creation where heaven and earth meet, we too will need a resurrection body similar to that of Jesus. In uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul uh, devotes a whole chapter to our resurrection bodies, chapter 15. Uh, I recommend you, you, you go and read it. It's a really important chapter. But chapter 15, verse 20 says this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, Jesus is the first fruits, the first example of that which is to come. What happened to Jesus will happen to us. We will need the same kind of resurrection body that Jesus had because we too will inhabit heaven and earth at the same time. God's space and our space will be brought together. And it's interesting that Paul speaks of those who have fallen asleep because it implies that those who have died in Christ will be at peace they're, they're, as if they're in a deep sleep until the day of Jesus' return and their resurrection. That said, the phrase fallen asleep may also be a way of talking about death without making it sound too final. And we know that death isn't final because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, I wouldn't be surprised, and this is a, a, a bit of conjecture, if you like, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if we pass through death and straight into the new creation. This is very difficult for us to understand because by new creation, we mean this world that has been renewed and restored and brought together with heaven. 
And this is difficult for us to understand because we think, well, that hasn't happened yet. Heaven and earth haven't been uh, completely joined back together like they were in the beginning. That's not happened. So what, you know, if someone died a thousand years ago, how can they enter into this new creation? It's not here yet. But God is outside of time. For us, time is a linear thing. You know, one thing happens and then another, and it all goes in a straight line. That is time. I don't think time works like that for God. And when we die, presumably we'll be outside of time as well. So it's possible that every Christian, regardless of when they lived and died in history, will enter the new creation at the same time. I mean, didn't Jesus say to the criminal on the cross next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And paradise in the biblical sense is the combination of heaven and earth. And Revelation 21 speaks about this very clearly. Listen to verses 1 to 3, and we've got a slide because it's a longer passage. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. In ancient Israel, the sea represented chaos. So it doesn't literally mean there'll be no sea. It means there'll be no, uh, there'll be no uh, chaos. It'll be peaceful. And then it says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth just as we will have new resurrection bodies. Jesus' body didn't have time to decompose, but his resurrection was still an act of new creation. And what God has done for Jesus, he will do for the whole of creation, and he will do for all of those who have put their faith and their trust in Christ. This world will be renewed and restored. You will be renewed and restored. God is putting the world right. When Jesus rose, he was still Jesus, and you will still be you in the new creation, just a perfect version of you. And the physical world will still be the physical world, just a perfect version, a world that's been fused and joined together with heaven. What we see at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts is Jesus moving between the dimensions of heaven and earth. When Jesus returns, that will no longer be necessary. We won't have to move between the two because they'll be one and the same thing. Now, we covered uh, quite a lot of ground. I hope your heads are not spinning too much. I just want to make a few summary statements that will help us to kind of absorb what I've said so far. So the first thing, creation is good. Yes, it's been spoiled. Yes, it is flawed. Um, but creation itself is good. The physical world is good, but flawed. Our physical bodies are good, but flawed. We have been made physical and spiritual in nature, and we will always be so. When Jesus returns, heaven and earth will be united, brought together, fused. And this will be an act of new creation. And the New Testament speaks about this new creation 
that is on a par with God's initial creation that we read about in Genesis 1. But the point is, there will always be a physical world for our physical bodies to inhabit. Presumably, there'll be much about God's new world that we recognize, but I think we can also expect to find something new. Resurrection life is not the same thing as afterlife. Lots of religions believe in there being an afterlife. Only Christians believe in resurrection life. Resurrection life means having a real physical body that inhabits a real physical space. And I think this understanding should give us a greater appreciation for our bodies as a gift from God and as an integral part of who we are. You know, we are called to live as people of the new creation. We are called to live as closely as possible to the way that we will live when heaven and earth are finally united. We haven't yet received our resurrection bodies. Our bodies are flawed and subject to decay. But our bodies are not merely an outer shell to be discarded so that we can live a purely spiritual existence void of all physical form. We are physical and spiritual beings. Our bodies matter. They are, in a very real sense, part of who we are and who we will always be. And just as in the new creation, we will be made perfect, so too our bodies will be made perfect. But I'm quite sure that doesn't mean we're all going to look like Sports Illustrated and Men's Health cover models. Sorry to, sorry to disappoint you. Perfect in the sense that there'll be no more illness, infirmity, disease, decay, or death. And all Jesus' healing miracles point forward to this, don't they? When Jesus healed the blind, the lepers, the paralyzed, those with fevers, when Jesus healed the woman that had been bleeding for all those years, when Jesus raised people from the dead, and he did that on three occasions that we read about in the New Testament, these are all signs of the new creation. They all point forward to the new creation. They give us a foretaste of how things will be when heaven and earth meet. Again, Revelation 21 verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And we believe that Jesus still heals Today, in fact, even in this church, there have been many instances of healing. But we also accept that not every person we pray for is healed. If they were, no one would ever die. When Jesus was hanging on the cross in agony, do you think his mother, who has stood at the foot of the cross watching all this take place, do you not think that she was crying out to God to save him? Of course she was. He died. But three days later, he rose from the grave with a new resurrection body, completely healed and free of pain. And so every time we pray for a believer's healing, we know that they will be healed in this life or the next. We're all getting older. And for those of us whose bodies are telling us that we're getting older, this is very good news. The pain, the discomfort, the inconvenience, in some cases the... Um, the, um, what's the word? The humiliation of it, the decay, will give way to life, energy, and immortality. 
When we see healings, we rejoice. But when we don't get the answer that we're hoping for, we still rejoice because we know that that person, if they're in Christ, will ultimately be healed. They'll be given a new resurrection body. As Christians, we ought to have a clear understanding of bodily resurrection because it moves us a lot closer to understanding the physical world in general and where it's all headed. It's not all just going to get scrapped. God's creation project will not fail. Jesus' resurrection body gives us a strong inkling of what awaits us in the life to come. We will have physical bodies forever, albeit changed. When we understand that, we see resurrection and new creation in a whole new light. It completely uh, transforms our understanding of what we mean when we say heaven. We get a glimpse of what it means for heaven and earth to come together and for us to inhabit both at the same time in a new resurrection body. Resurrected just as Jesus has been resurrected. But don't think that any of this diminishes or normalizes heaven. We must still expect to experience something that is beyond our wildest dreams. We cannot comprehend what it will be like when heaven and earth come together. As it says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you rose bodily from the dead. And we pray that we can take on board and digest what that really means in terms of what happens to this world, what happens to us when we die. Father, we recognize that this world will be renewed and restored and that those who know and love you will have a place in it with renewed and restored bodies, uh, free from sin and all that spoils our lives. And we thank you that this is the great hope that we have. And we pray, Father, that we will live in this world as closely as possible to the way that we will live in your new creation. We pray, Father, that we'll put you at the center of our lives and uh, live lives of faithful obedience to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.